0: Ah, Jesus. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Down to Earth with Harriet Kamek. It's Sunday morning, and it is the 1st of March. Hello, somebody. We've made it. So from what I gather, uh, spring is like 18 days away. And I don't know about you, but I think we can all go with spring. I'm sick and tired of (laughs) sniffles. I don't know how I'm going to manage this allergy season because it's just been incredible. And with the coronavirus being a thing, It's kind of like, how on earth are we all going to cope, right? But we believe God. It's Sunday. We're going to have some faith and believe that all things will work together for our good. So today on our show, we're going to talk a little bit about a story that I came across that happened in Dalton, Georgia. And it concerns a man who gave his story that he had a Bible that oozed oil. If you can believe that, and uh, that's the story we're going to talk about this morning within the context of Sunday morning, and most of us would traditionally be in church, right? Uh, people would be in church. We would be surrounded right now by faith or getting ready to go to church, or people. do people still go to church? Uh, what's the story here? Well, we're going to talk a little bit this morning about this man whose story uh, surrounded uh, the fact that he... Had a Bible that oozed oil in Dalton, Georgia, and what that did for the people around him, I can't begin to tell you. I was shocked. I'd never seen or heard the story, not even on my social media pages, prior to. So, I really didn't know what this meant for anyone, or uh, why, you know, how did this even happen? But suffice it to say that it's a real story. In uh, happened in modern times. And uh, (laughs) it's interesting, right? So we're going to talk about that in just a bit. And I want to give you some background on why should we talk about it. But first, it is Sunday morning and it is trending. You probably will see it on Twitter trending later on. But here in Detroit, a few years ago, we had a good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Blessings. Thank you. Blessings to you, too. Uh, We had a mayor. Uh, Kwame Kilpatrick, and he was quite the mayor. He was the mayor of the city. Uh, Most of us, I didn't agree with his policies, but he was later found guilty of corruption. He's a black man, and he was later found guilty of corruption and sentenced to 28 years in prison. And there is a movement, or there has been a movement to free Kwame for some time, but for most of us, we were like, nah, it's ain't going to happen. He deserved it for what he did. Uh, under his administration, the city ended up being in, uh, went into receivership, had to have an emergency manager, and so on. So for most of us, for some of us, it was like, mm, time out for that. But lately, uh, the president has been handing out clemency and pardons to people who have done similar things, right? Rod Blagojevich, right? The gentleman in Illinois, the governor, the former governor, who was a Democrat, and who sold uh, President Obama's Senate seat. Uh, He was caught on tape doing that. He was sentenced to corruption. He was granted pardon and is actually out free by free by the current president. Uh, There was another guy uh, that the former police commissioner of New York who was found guilty of misusing 911 funds, he was also found guilty, found uh, the president also set him free. So now people in Detroit have been saying for some time that it's time to free Kwame. And uh, for a long time, I, I took the look that I wanted to stay away from it, just observe it. But as far as I can see, if, you, if you're going to free everybody else who does similar things, then maybe Kwame should also be freed. He has served so far maybe seven years, I think. Uh, the U.S. attorney for this area says he has served seven years, and uh, that he was found guilty of corruption. But I don't. It, it, it sounds like you might have some racist overtones there. Uh, if if he didn't kill anybody, he didn't engage in, and especially in the day and time we live in, and light of criminal justice reform, prisons are overcrowded. You sort of don't want to put someone in prison who is not a violent offender, right? You don't want to put someone in prison who didn't commit a violent crime. Kwame did not commit a violent crime. He took money that he shouldn't have taken. He engaged in a system of making sure his pockets were aligned. That is corruption. So by no stretch of the imagination should he just get away. He has served seven years. That should be enough for that crime, seeing that the president is freeing everybody else who has served similar crimes. Right? But at the same time, that doesn't mean it's a walk in the park for everybody else. There are people in the city of Detroit who have committed violent crime right now. The city is, the police department seems like they need some help from the National Guard to contain the violence that is in the city. The police, I don't know where they are. Are they policing? Are they driving around? Are they uh, patrolling neighborhoods? The criminals don't seem to respect the police. Maybe the criminals want somebody bigger and better. Maybe that's where it has to go. But violent crime is on the increase. Now, when those people are found, they should not be out of jail. Recently, we had one guy who was a serial killer. I kid you not. This actually happened. He's a, he's a serial killer. He killed six people in like three weeks. And the reason he was out is because he was being used as an informant for a federal agency. In the time that he was released from jail, the police were not aware. The Detroit police did not know that he was released from jail and that he was out on probation. His, kind of his whole thing around him was a cloak of secrecy. In the meantime, that man killed six people. Six people in less than four weeks. He was on a killing spree. If he had come across me, he probably would have killed me too. Right? Those are instances where people need to know he's killed himself. He's shot himself in the head when he was being pursued by the state police and, and Detroit police and every police agency that you can think of, they started, began pursuing him and cornered him and he shot himself in the head. He eventually died from his injuries. I don't miss him. I don't think the families of the six people miss him. He should be off the streets. Criminals, people who commit violent crime should be off the street. Kwame Kilpatrick is not one of them. Right now, that is not to say that if he gets out of jail and he comes out, if he does something, he should be slapped on the wrist and sent right back, right? Good morning, Dovetaste, right? But at the same time, at the same very time, if we're sending everybody else who has committed similar crimes, oh, then maybe we should consider that Kwame Kilpatrick should be freed, for, at least for time served, Right? That's just how I feel about that, right? I still think the police in Detroit can do a much better job with the resources that they have. They have cars. They have guns. Get these violent criminals off the streets. The criminals are laughing because they know the police won't show up. They know the police are not patrolling. They know the police are not going to show up. They can do whatever they want to do and hold the citizens hostage. I read a report uh, some time ago, and I might have discussed it on this show, that the crime in Detroit is different than the crime in other major cities. For instance, in Chicago, what they have found is that the crime is confined to specific areas of the city. Not so in Detroit. The crime in Detroit is citywide. It's everywhere. It's every street, every neighborhood, anywhere, anytime. The criminals hold the city hostage. It's almost as if they see police cars and so what? It's nothing. Maybe it's time to bring out the National Guard. That's my position, and I'm going to make that clear. To the police that this is crazy It just cannot continue It's enough There are too many people that have been killed Women have been killed Children are being shot And it's like the criminals own the city It's like every criminal wants to take the police on Like they don't respect the authority Or the presence of the police I saw on the news recently Where the, uh, the Oakland County Sheriff Who is a sheriff in the neighboring county They don't have violent crime there perhaps because they do a better job of policing their cities. It's not just that their demographic is different. They just police, right? And he said part of the problem, too, is that they're releasing from jail violent criminals. Like, seriously, the jails are overcrowded, and you're releasing violent criminals? They haven't been rehabilitated. When you send them back out into the community, they have no resources. They can't get a job. They can't work. They can't rent an apartment, they can't buy a house, they can't get a loan to go back to school. What do you expect them to do? They're going to do what? They're gonna to turn to crime and they are going to crucify, murder, pillage, and rob with impunity. They're not gonna care how they do it because they have nothing to lose. It seems to me that prisons don't do a job of rehabilitating. It just houses people. People emerge from prisons angry and bitter and want to take it out on every other unsuspecting person, even though they committed a crime that sent them to jail in the first place, right? So we need to take a different look. If we're looking at criminal justice reform, it's time for us to go back to the table and say, well, if we're going to send people to prison, then we're sending them to prison because they have committed a violent crime. People who murder people should not be here. People who rape people should not be here. People who hit people and rob people with a, and commit uh, a, a travesty, such as holding people up with knives and guns, they need to go and sit away for a while and think about their actions. But people like Kwame, you know, yeah, 28 years, they could have given him 10 years and out on good behavior in five. We wouldn't be having this conversation, but 28 years, I believe the president is going to do the right thing. Don't you? It's an election year. He wants the black vote. That doesn't mean the people in Detroit are going to vote for him. It just means that Kwame will be free and that's all they care about. Right? 28 years is a bit excessive for someone who did not commit a violent crime. Right? So today I want to talk about the Bible that oozed oil. It's kind of, it's kind of a story that, I think we all should read about. And within the context of how this story happened, it kind of makes you want to think that people are desperate for a move of God and they're desperate for a demonstration that God is real and God exists. Especially today, I think these people were sympathizers. They, they, they were God's help. They saw themselves as agents of God, that they were helping to restore the name of God and restore the sanctity of 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 the Holy Trinity That must have been what they were thinking But a group of people in Dalton, Georgia Used to meet for a prayer service Every night, right And they would get together To say a prayer at the back of a Christian gift shop called Grace 251 This took place in Dalton, Georgia So in 2016, the lead up To the election, this man Had a dream that God told him He was going to do great things Well, the following year in January After the inauguration he began having this prayer service. And it was at this prayer service when he opened the Bible to Psalm 39, no less, that he found a splotch of oil. And he thought, you know, what on earth is this? Then he found that the heart the oil had a heart-shaped, it was shaped like a heart over a map of Israel in his Bible. So he began to take this literally, and everybody just started praying, and the prayer service grew. When people said that this Bible was just oozing oil, people came in and they got vials of oil. Eventually, he had to put it in a Ziploc bag. I kid you not. This is a real story. This happened. This is not some biblical event that we're talking about that happened 100 years ago. This actually happened, right? (laughs) And then, so he put the oil, he had to put the oil in a plastic container. People started gathering his fame spread. People started inviting him to different churches because people's testimony was that when they came to the oil and touched the oil, then they would get healed. People started giving testimonies about cancers being dissolved and warts and all that kind of stuff and, and, and all those kinds of things. The, ma- the physical manifestations of miracles is what you would call it. So people began to say, wait a, just a minute. People came from all over the state. People came from, you know, all, you know, all over. This, this is Southern Bible Belt, y'all. So you got to understand that in the North we are a little bit more jaded in our beliefs and our observation. But in the South, this is Dalton, Georgia. It's closer to Tennessee than it is to Atlanta. So naturally, these people are devout Christians, right? And these people are. Are going to do what they do He also said he got a prophecy About the president And so on But The story is really about How this Bible was oozing oil That people could come and get vials of oil And take the oil back home And the oil would make them feel better And the oil would cure them Now I'm a Christian Yeah And I'm a minister Right I believe in in miracles. And I believe in that fact that miracles can happen. I believe if you have faith and you believe, so be it unto you according to your faith. That's what I believe. Be it unto you according to your faith. So I was with this story. I was ready to I was ready to contact them on Facebook and plan a trip to go down there myself. And in fact, in the story, they even claimed that it's the same town where Marla Maples, the president's second wife or third wife, the president's second wife grew up. It is said that she too had come to the church and had laid her hands in the oil. Such was the belief that grips the people. Now, uh, They found a special affinity for the president, obviously, because that's the town where her family are from, right? And naturally, they say that when she was dating him, uh, he had visited. This is long ago before he even thought of running for president. They say he had visited the town. So I'm going to put that into context. Just give me a second. I'm going somewhere with that, right? But... When you look at all of this, it, it, it speaks to a hunger that people have for a realness and a real physical manifestation of a move of God. The people are hungry, right? So people wanted to believe, people want to believe that this Bible was actually oozing oil. And in a day and time now when, where we live and how we are seeing biblical events practically being played out locusts in parts of Africa, Viruses, viruses, rumors of war That never last right? But we have viruses that are threatening to kill Large groups of people It makes you wonder People are still saying Where is God And for those people who are looking for this This just looks like it was real In fact, they felt like Donald Trump was Was God's answer To their desire for a leader Now, let's put this into context This is Dalton, Georgia A place that is predominantly white, at a place that is in the Southern Bible Belt. These people are who they are, right? They largely believe in white supremacy, and they believe that whites are superior to others, including blacks. That's just what they believe. So when Donald Trump was running, the candidate was running for president, he seemed like a great white hope. He was their messiah on the heels of previous eight years of Barack Obama, the first black president. Of course, they're going to want to believe in all sort of signs and wonders because they're seeing a return of their supremacy and power. So that's not biblical. That's, that's man's way of thinking. That has nothing to do with the move of God. That has nothing to do with God saying and dying and coming down to the earth and appointing someone and saying that this is my chosen leader. He also chose Barack Obama. He chose George Bush before, Clinton before, Bush again before. Reagan Carter And all the rest of them It is What it is The Bible says That God uses An imperfect man So in each person He found some good Whether we agree With it or not Whether we like Shrikidiki or not Whether we like This Reaganomics Or anything God found something In each of them And appointed them As ruler Over these people So when you look At the lead up To 2016 And 2018 Naturally People wanted a return to an America that they were more comfortable, that they felt most comfortable, in, one in which the leader looked and sounded like them, whereas the rest of us are like, hey, we live here too. We too want someone who looks and sounds like us, but one who is representative of the will of the people, one who is representative of what all the people want. The president, as you know, is a populist. He loves being popular. So if they reach out to him, he's going to say, yeah, heck yeah I'm going to come down here and have a have, have a rally I'm going to invite you up on the stage He's not, he's a bully, just gregarious and outgoing Right? So in this context, this is the nature of the people I mean, some of the stuff they said, you know, they had dreams and prophecies They wear MAGA hats And they believe Make America Great Again is actually something But that's their political belief. Now, in terms of biblical structure and and, and institutionalized Christianity, these people, his name was Johnny Taylor and Jerry Pierce. And Johnny Taylor's wife is Leslie and Jerry Pierce's wife is Joyce. They were the leaders of this movement. And uh, his father-in-law, the Barkers They got together and started this movement It became so that they were invited to other churches Around the state and around the southern Bible Belt You've all heard of this guy named Sid Roth They were invited onto uh, Sid Roth's program On Trinity Broadcasting Network But you and I know Sid Roth is somebody who is a salesman He sells ideas Christianity just happens to be one of the ideas that he sells And to be a guest on his show you have to be hawking a product or selling a product. Well, these folks said they didn't want to do that because they wanted to keep the messaging pure. Well, a couple years into their movement, when they started talking about giving, you know, prophetic uh, utterances and telling people how, you know, uh, people are getting healed and so on, the University of Tennessee, Chattanooga wanted to test the oil because somebody said they saw Johnny Taylor going into a tractor supply store to buy oil, the white liquid. Now, what was interesting to me is that all this time, nobody ever wondered why the color of that oil is white. Did they think that because it was coming out of the Bible that's why it was oil? Because I've never seen white oil except mineral oil. Oil has a color. It tends to look light yellow. And if it's olive oil, it looks deep yellow, almost green, depending on the the, the content of it. Am I correct? Am I correct? Right. So how come nobody ever wondered why this oil was white? So because of someone reporting in a local paper that they had seen Johnny Taylor, the starter of this movement, buy oil from the tractor supply store, the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga decided to test the oil. When they tested the oil, they found that the chemical composition of the oil matches that of the oil sold at the tractor supply store. The movement busted open. All of a sudden, people were like, wait, whoa, whoa. Why do you have to go that far? So they wanted, a reporter wanted to go to Johnny's house to go test the oil, and he wouldn't let them in the garage. They did see some oil in a gallon container. And finally, he confessed that when it first started, he didn't want to disappoint people. So he actually kind of helped it along. But then you have, when so he went and bought oil to augment what was already there. But then you have to ask yourself a question. Did you really have a visitation from the Holy Spirit? Did you, in fact, really have oil Just miraculously appear in the Bible No, I'm not One to, I'm not going to question anybody's uh, Fervency of their belief Because I myself have been On the receiving end of miracles I myself have seen, I saw my ex-husband Just couldn't hit me anymore when I stood In front of him, when he was getting ready To hit me and I started praying Really loudly and he Could not hit me, he said there's just something Came over him and all he saw was smoke Around you and I I, I can't Hit you So I'm not going to test the veracity of this man's faith that he believed when he opened Psalm 39 after praying for more than four hours that there was an oil in his Bible. But what I am going to say is that the oil that I saw in that picture was white. So I myself would have questioned the the veracity of that first. Now, the real truth is not that he... People around them said they seemed and appeared sincere. But the real question is, why? It's because we have a dearth of faith. We have a lack of fervency of belief that we feel needs to drive people to Christianity. Why has that happened? Well, like any movement, over time, people's belief systems wane and wax and change based on the times that we live in. The times that we live in, we have seen many great Christian leaders fall. We have seen them succumb to temptation. We have seen it lived out loud. We have seen them finally living a public life that's different from what they lived privately. We have seen where people now are convinced that most Christian leaders are really in this for the money, And they're not in this because they really fervently believe in Jesus Christ. And maybe that's why Jesus, I said, you know, just do it the way you do, but to each his own, right? So now people really want to move of God. They, They want to know where is God. So if somebody comes along and they don't, they're not from the institutionalized Christian movement, where, you know, they're not aligned with any major Christian church or pastor, but they just look like humble folk who came up with this, then guess what? People are going to want to believe that and respect that because people are, you know, hungry for want something to believe. They're hungry. And maybe this man saw himself as a helper of God, that he thought he could help God along and he could help people to believe. But what he did was destroy it more than anything else because now if I come up with something that, you know, one night I went to bed and, and seriously, Doug, I fell asleep and I had a visitation from God. Are you going to believe me? No, because you're going to say that's just another storyteller. That's just another person who comes up with a story. Am I correct? My, my, my friends over here, right? Isn't it true? You, you're just going to say, Harriet, I really don't believe. But the purpose of the purpose that this man intended was to bring people to Christ. That was his purpose. But instead, he kind of got lost in the messaging. Isn't that what always happens, though? They start out real good, and then somewhere along the line, they get lost because the movement takes over. And then it's all about the movement instead of the messaging. you got to be real careful. Even as a politician, whatever you're working on, you got to be careful that you don't lose sight of the message. This is why they tell you, business leaders will tell you, and strategic thinkers will tell you, have a mission. Make sure you have a goal and a mission and stick to it no matter what. The people who are most successful, if you listen to Bill Gates, if you listen to Warren Buffett, if you listen to Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, they're going to tell you and they will tell you that they stuck to their mission. They had a goal and they kept the goal. What they did was they might have changed process, but they stuck to the goal. You, the problem with these folks is they didn't have a mission and they didn't have a goal. If all their goal was was to help God along, they could have just grabbed a microphone, bought some airtime on television, put some people in a room, film it, and upload it, and boom, you ha- you're helping God along. But if you're going to be helping God along, especially when it comes to faith, it has to be what? Tested. What happened here is that it was subject to a test. When it was subject to the test, it couldn't stand up to the test of faith. It couldn't stand up to the authenticity of the product. The product is a belief in God. The product is a belief in miracles performed by God. Could not stand the authenticity of the test. Now, there's a man named Bill Gates, right? He created a computer software program. He and his friends got together and they'd been working on it from he was in grade school. So he didn't even need to finish college because he had been working on this for some time. It was tested that it was going to be the next great thing. He believed in it fervently. He never lost sight of it. He stayed true to the game. He stayed true to the program and continued to test it. But he was confident that the product, which stands the authenticity of the test. What happened to these brothers right here? It's not that they didn't believe in God. They didn't believe in the authenticity. They didn't demonstrate the authenticity. No matter what you're doing, make sure that you're authentic to the test. No, God is up in heaven god is always going to sit up there and watch the rest of us he's going to call you 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 and he's going to call me but he is going to subject us to the authenticity of the test what do you really believe are you really going to stand up and are you going to give in to the crowd because of the roar of the crowd are you going to give in and dilute the message somewhere this is what happened to these brothers right here sure there might have been a miracle in his bible that really actually oozed oil That was all the miracles that he needed. He should have just held it up and said, hey, look, I have nothing to do with this. Oil is just dripping out of this Bible. Just hold it up. Oil is just dripping. You want to come test it? Come believe in it? Come touch it for yourself. It just happened. He did not have to help it along because him putting himself, what he was trying to do was put, insert himself into a divine process that he cannot control. If it were a divine process, indeed, it would stand the authenticity of the test. I would have guaranteed you, if it were, you and I would show up there and the oil would have dripped out of the Bible, dripped on my head, dripped on your head and heal whatever sickness, whatever disease, whatever it is. That's the authenticity of the test. He just didn't believe in it. What happened was he convoluted his idea and started to bring in his own personal ideas. One thing you don't do with God is you don't manage his product. You don't manipulate his product to reflect what your beliefs are. You can't manipulate it. The Bible is very clear. Uh, Israeli researchers and Jewish researchers and rabbis in Tel Aviv, I read this years and years ago, have already determined that there is a process by which they can prove the Bible. They can tell you that everything that is everything is in the book of Genesis. They will in fact tell you it started in Genesis 1, everything that is everything. At the time of uh, what's her name, Princess Diana's death, they found, they did their research And they had a process. There is a process by which they can convert the meaning of Hebrew letters and words. And when they applied that process, they could find out that Princess Diana was indeed going to die. They could also find out that Bill Clinton was going to be president, that Bill Clinton had lost the presidency, and that George W. Bush was going to be president. Here it comes. They applied the same process and knew Barack Obama was going to be president. But guess where it all fell apart? Because Barack Obama was not their chosen based on his color and his race, they decided to convolute the message. They changed the message. I I was one of those who was saying, how can you expect me to believe in what you say when, in fact, years ago, when it suited your purposes, you applied that process to it. And now because you don't like the candidate, you're saying that your process doesn't work. you got to be real careful about the messenger ring. There is the message and there is the messenger. Sometimes we shoot the messenger and not listen to the message, but sometimes the messenger misses his role. The messenger is supposed to stand and deliver the message. There's one thing about Jesus Christ that you've got to accept. He got a message and he delivered the message. They crucified him. They hung him on a tree, hung him wide and everything else that was bad, but he delivered the message. He didn't get in the way of it. He didn't try to help the authenticity of it along. When he told the disciples, go get some five barley loaves and two fishes, he didn't tell them, well, what you actually do is get some baskets and have it hidden in the back so that I can continue to look like this five loaves and barley fishes was just being made. No, he said, I'm going to stand here and believe God that this is going to work and I'm going to keep feeding it. And if I break the loaf, the more I break the loaf, the more I break the loaf is the more that I'm going to feed the people. Do you see what I'm saying? So what happens in the story, it's not, the Bible probably did ooze oil. It probably did. Subject to your belief. But what he should have done is leave it up to the individuals. Let the people come and test the authenticity. This is what happens to politicians, why some fail and some don't. Subject to the test of authenticity. I call it the proof of the pudding. I call it the attrition process. Can you stand the process of attrition? Can, could he have stood it? He doubted it, and therefore he failed. What has happened to his movement? Well, he's lucky he didn't. It's a good thing he didn't collect any money, because had he collected money, they could have found a case against him. He could have been tried in the court of moral opinion, right? And he would have been found guilty, as heck, for deceiving the people and misleading the people. He had a good idea. It could have worked, but he just was not authentic. He didn't let the authenticity of it work. I am just saying to you today, I know we all have beliefs, especially in the next coming weeks and months, this is when people are going to really want something to believe. Because if this virus is allowed to come into this country and proliferate, we don't know who has been infected, who has been touched. They're telling us buy masks, don't buy masks. They're saying use Lysol, don't use Lysol. Use Clorox, don't use Clorox. Touch this, don't touch that. Don't touch your face, don't. All kinds of stuff. There's one thing that I know it's going to be, it is what it is. It's a curse and it is wrapping around the globe because we need to come to the place where we have to understand that there is a faith. Now, we, we disparage against people because of their faith. All kinds of stuff have happened through time. We've seen the, chi- the, the, the Catholic Church has converted it. It doesn't even exist. What do they believe? Time is the master. Time is testing the authenticity of the product. But God is still sitting there and He's just He's not moved. He's not shaking. He's not having a fit. He's still sitting there and watching us all. This is what I have to say. God was there from the beginning. When people start telling me about I don't know, I don't believe in God. I said, Well, look at it this way. He kind of outlived you because people two thousand years ago were still talking about God and they're dead. And here you are questioning. Seriously? You're questioning. So it never made sense to me. So I don't feel as if I'm one of those proselytizers who has to fervently defend the faith. That's what these folks were doing. They were fervently defending a faith that really is indefensible. It doesn't matter today, tomorrow, if you get up and don't believe in God. It doesn't matter. You're going to be your human. So you're going to be subject to the same organic process that the rest of us are. Your body will break down one day and you will die. And then you will find out. Problem is, you don't get to come back and tell the others what really happened. You are going to have to walk it out by faith and belief. Many people today don't believe because they say circumstances don't teach me. You know what has happened? We kind of taught the wrong message for a long time. We told people that once they got saved and once they became a Christian, everything was just going to be hunky-dory and all right. That's not true. That's not true in anything. We used to tell people that about marriage too, didn't we? That you get married, it's forever, and everything is just hunk dory and every day your husband is just going to come home, and he's going to have a flower in one hand and chocolate in the other, and the kids will never act up, and there will never be any bills that need paying. And so we sold people a gospel that never worked. That was not the authentic product. The real truth of the matter is, like every belief system, you, the individual standing in the midst of it, will always be tested. You don't believe me? Okay. Let's say you want to lose weight. You want to lose weight, right? So you order the Peloton thing. You know, that thing you see on TV where they're advertising it like crazy. You order the Peloton. You ever notice with that thing that you have to work it if you really want to lose the weight? The messaging is simple. It says if you buy this product and you work it, you will lose the weight. What is the, what, what, what is the key ingredient in there? You, you, you buy this product. You work it. You will. You, you three times. That is the messaging. Will you work it? Will you do it? But if you don't work it, don't expect to see the results as advertised. <laughs> Hello, somebody. That's the whole thing with, with the messaging of Jesus Christ. you got to work it. We never told anybody that. We told people that if you got saved, It's all going to be hunky-dory, and we invoke the traditions of man to supplement the belief. God doesn't need anyone to supplement the belief. If you don't believe in God, one day you will find out. Our job is if we have been tested, then we come back and tell you, I was subject to the test, and I found God to be real. I am sitting here today because I found God to be real. When I needed God most was not when I was growing up. When I needed God most was not when I was in high school, not when I was contemplating college. I'm a college dropout, by the way, just full disclosure of material facts, right? It wasn't that time. I needed God when I found myself married to a man who told me he would love me and take care of me, but instead chose to beat me within an inch of my life. That's when I found out I needed God. I needed God every day. I found that I needed God for my daily bread. I needed God to help me so I wouldn't be killed, and that is exactly how I met Jesus. That is my story and my testimony. I tested the authenticity of the product and found that he was authentic and that he was real. Is this this you? Do you find yourself in the middle of that test? Do you find yourself wanting to believe that God is real? Test him. Just test him. Apply the test for yourself. It doesn't matter what I believe about you. It doesn't matter what you believe about me. Test the product for yourself. I am not telling you that if you open Psalm 39, you're going to find oil dripping out of it. That has not been my experience. But I have experienced the same living, walking miracle where I have prayed for my ex-husband not to hit me. And he told me himself, I don't know what it is about you. There's something around you. There's a force field around you. I can't hit you. And he just collapsed right on the couch. I lived in that kind of environment, so I have tested the product. I lived in this country for years as an undocumented immigrant. I didn't have a green card for years. My ex-husband tore my papers up. He wrote letters to immigration. That kept me confined. I kid you not. I should have. If, if, if these were the days of, if those were the days of camera phones, I probably would have taken a picture, a screenshot of it. Right? He thought he had won. But my faith, I believed and I tested the authenticity. And I found God to be real. Just as he promised, I was eventually processed under the Violence Against Women's Act. Ironically, by a guy named Joe Biden who was Senator of Delaware at the time, who pushed this act through the Senate in 1996, or to, to make sure that people like me could get processed. So we wouldn't have to contend with an abusive spouse. And that man is running for president today, Joe Biden, right? With all the imperfections. Sometimes we look at people and we tend to assign virtues that we want onto them. We, we, see, we, we know of a virtue called peace. We know of a virtue called love and goodness. And, and we really want to believe in the best of everybody. And we assign these virtues to people, irrespective of their human condition. We're all human. We're all subject to humanity. I am not perfect. Don't cut me off on the road is all I can tell you. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right? I'm not perfect. By no stretch of anybody's imagination, I'm human, I'm female, I walk, I talk, I am just as human as you. I slam doors, I shut doors, I slap things down when I get upset. Nobody is perfect. We assign virtues onto people and place a burden and expect them to live it out. It's imperfect. It can't work. The Bible says... That the only perfect man who ever lived, they killed him and hung him on a tree. Far be from you and I to assume the virtue of being perfect. Far be from you and I. All we can tell you is that I'm a broken vessel that God tried to put back together bit by bit, piece by piece. He tried to put me back together in the places where I was broken till I look like this. My scars are not visible. Thank God. Some people have visible scars. I have no visible scars, but my scars, they hurt just as much. It's still taking me years and years through therapy and the application of Christian virtue and faith in God to overcome some of the stuff that happened to me. But I believed in the authenticity of the product so much so that I can smile today. And I am saying to all of us, we sometimes, should just let people be. We see Christian leaders. Hey, it's not easy. The Bible says, Blessed are the feet of those who preach the gospel. How beautiful are their feet. I never understood what that thing meant. You don't know the story of my glory. You don't want to know what it takes to walk this path. We look at people all the time and we envy them. We want to be like them, but really would you really if you really knew the real story, would you really want to? Would you really, really want to? We look at Elon Musk and you want to be like him. Really? Do you really want to know the headaches and the stuff the SEC told him he could not talk about his own company on Twitter because it would affect his shares just because he's popular? Was that fair? When everybody else could talk their product and appear on CNBC, he could not talk about his own. You really want to know. Bill Gates was tall and lanky and a nerd. Nobody wanted him until he turned 26 and started making money. No girl wanted him because he was not attractive. Do you want to know what it must have felt like? We always look at people and want to be like them, but you got to test the authenticity of the product. And I'm just saying to you today, I don't know where you are on the spectrum of your belief. I don't know how you feel about God but I'm just saying it's passover there is a reason for this the coronavirus is spreading we all need to pray that say Lord let the coronavirus pass over me Lord let in this Passover season, let every destruction pass over me. Lord, let every assignment that is, would come to destroy me take away what I have. Take away my home, my cars, my job, my instructions, my mission, everything, my mission. Lord, let it pass over me. Lord, anything that would destroy my the wealth of my family, let it go in the name of Jesus. Just pray that in this Passover season, everything just pass over. If you really believe in the oil... And the Bible talks about the oil. The oil is the anointing of Jesus Christ. The Bible talks about the oil. It is a physical manifestation of your belief. There are many other religions that have iconic beliefs that are attached to specific things. Christianity is one of them. If you believe in it, then go get a bottle of oil. Pray over it. Have your spiritual leader endow it and believe that that is a representation of what you believe. But I suggest to you today, pick up the Bible and start reading. Read it from Romans. Read it from the book of John. It's real easy. You can read it in any translation, any prescription. And if you're in need today, I promise you that if you find yourself at that intersection of your humanity and your divinity, and you're wondering just like me, where is God? Is God real? Is God real? Is God is real? I went to high school. I went to Catholic high school. I grew up in the church. If God is really going to leave me in this marriage where this man is going to kill me, I need prayer. I need someone to pray for me. And God, if you're out there, please show me the way out. I had to believe. It took a process. It didn't happen just quickly. It took a process. And when it did come to pass, it was supernatural. It was expeditious. It was overnight. And in 24 hours, I was out of it. And that's my prayer for you today. Somewhere along the way. We either lost our belief because we looked at the personalities. Look at the authenticity of the product. This man, even in his imperfection, Johnny Taylor, even in their imperfection, they were still showing us something, the authenticity of the product. It makes you want to go read Psalm 39, doesn't it? It makes you want to go really read the Bible and read Revelation chapter 8. It really makes you want to go think on these things. My name is Harriet Kamek. This has been Down to Earth. Thank you so much for being a part of my experience as usual. Join me again tomorrow on our regular schedule programming. And every Sunday morning, we do a Sunday morning presentation off Down to Earth. We discuss faith and its implications and its applications to our lives. We are faith-based. That means I believe in God. I am a Christian, and I am a minister, so I say that straight up. <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody. Go to my website, HarrietKemmer.com, as well as visit my page on Anchor FM. Be a supporter. where are heard. You can hear replays of this program on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your favorite pa- podcast platform is. Thanks so much, everybody. Thank you so much, everybody. Be blessed. Happy Sunday. Let me see what my friends are saying. Ah. Uh... Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you so much. Be blessed. (laughs)